Hello and welcome to episode 39 of Lime Ninja Radio. I am your host, McKay Rippey, and right next to me in the studio is my daughter and producer, Aurora. Hey, hello. And first thing I want to do is say thanks to all of you who've gone by our Facebook page and hit the like button. We've broken 1,000. Yay! <laughs> There's much celebration. <laughs> Really, thank you so much. It means a lot. It helps the word get out. So the more likes we have on our Facebook page, the more our episodes and posts about Lyme disease get out in the world and help uh, raise awareness. So thank you very much about that. And if you haven't liked us, head on over to Facebook. Just search for Lyme Ninja Radio and hit the like button. Yes. All right. This week's episode, episode, not episode, episode, is an interview with Scott Forsgren. He's also, or better known as the Better Health Guy, and his website and his knowledge is incredible, and particularly about Lyme disease. And you guessed it, yes, he also contracted it himself, which is why one reason he became an expert on health and is now helping lots of other people work through their chronic health issues. So, Roar, tell us some more about Scott. Okay. Scott's journey to becoming the Better Health Guy began in 1997 when he became violently ill. He says on his website, quote, overnight my body was ravaged by an unknown illness. After many months of baffling doctors, he was diagnosed with parasitic infections, candida, leaky gut syndrome, and severe food allergies. Recovering took two years of working constantly with his doctor, and by 2000, his symptoms were gone. Everything seemed to be going well for him until 2004, when he regained his original symptoms, as well as severe burning sensations in his limbs and muscle twitches throughout his body. Going to yet another doctor who had him on the same course of treatment that had helped him previously. It had cyclical effects, and after the treatment ended, his symptoms reappeared. In 2000. Five, he found a treatment to help with his severe food allergies, and the practitioner recommended he get tested for Lyme disease. His Western blot tested positive for Lyme disease, and shortly thereafter, he went to a Lyme literate doctor and tested positive for Borrelia burgdorferi, Bartonella, Babesia, and Ehrlichia. As of now, he is mostly healed, and he runs the Better Health Guy website, where he writes about his journey recovering from chronic illness, new research on Lyme disease, and alternative health practices. Thank you, Aurora. And here's our interview with Scott Forsgren. Scott, hello. It's McKay Rippey. Hey, McKay. How are you? Terrific. Good. Are you ready to go? Ready, ready. <laughs> You're kind of a professional at this. You know what? I... I wouldn't say that I am. I, uh, you know, I've been getting more and more requests for doing this kind of thing, and I, it's still something that I'm, you know, getting comfortable with. And I'm doing a, a little talk this weekend at a conference, and then I'm uh, speaking at Autism One next month in Chicago in May. And so, you know, lots of people have expressed interest, which I'm flattered and touched by. But I, I think, uh, you know, I'm still, I'm still feeling my way through it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So th you've just celebrated a 10-year anniversary, right? 
the 10 years is, yeah, so 10 years ago uh, that I put up my website, uh, coming up actually next month, and then 10 years in July from my final Lyme diagnosis after having been really, really ill for a good eight years or so before that. So yeah, there's a couple of couple things coming up this summer. Lots of reason to celebrate. Yeah, and I mean, you. it sounds like, I mean, I listen to some of your shows. I mean, you know what this whole Lyme thing is like, and if you can get back to a place where you're doing relatively well and feeling pretty good, that's a, a huge blessing. And, you know, it still often takes some continued attention and focus and taking better care of ourselves. But, uh, you know, I, I definitely am in a, a good place and blessed and grateful. And, uh, you know, I see lots of people that are not quite as fortunate and still working on their journey. So, yeah, I'm pretty pretty happy at this point. Yeah, that's fantastic. It is good news. There is hope, right? There, there is a lot of hope. I, yeah, I mean, definitely hope, but it is a, a journey that changes people. And I think, uh, you know, changes us once you kind of get through it, certainly changes us in many ways for the better. But it is also not not an easy journey, as you also well know. Yeah. So uh, lots of uh, new perspectives and a lot of new gifts that come from it, but certainly a lot of challenges along the way as well. It's almost, you know, 18 years of doing this. My tick bite was next year will be 19 years. Wow. And you, you hear Heather's number, you know, people say like, oh, you've been, you've had this for 18 years. And you go, my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to imagine, you know, any condition somebody has for 18 years that either yeah. doesn't knock you out earlier than that or, you know, gets resolved. And so uh, we definitely have some unique things to deal with, with the whole Lyme and all that comes with it. Yeah, there's a Chinese concept, uh, and we we believe it was applied to things like Lyme disease and other uh, nasty infections that don't kill you but just hang on. And they would call it a goo syndrome. Yes, exactly. I was going to say goo syndrome. Yeah, I read some of that. I love some of the formulas that they have with classical, I think it was classical pearls is the company. Do you use his formulas? I have used them. I haven't used them a tremendous amount, but I have used them. I have a test kit and do some energetic testing with them. And um, there there are a few of them that I have uh, have found quite helpful, actually. Yes, I've started using them in my practice, and uh, I like the formulations, and I like his quality control. So, yeah, yeah, uh, no, I think he's got some good stuff. And I first uh, learned about him from Wayne Anderson and Neil Nathan uh, in one of their articles in the Townsend letter and then chatted with them kind of subsequent to that. And, and they're usually kind of the guys that are on the leading edge of everything that's, you know, cool and working and helpful. <laughs> and so I was uh, excited when I saw that they were exploring them as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. So tell, tell me the story of how you became the better health guy, how you transformed from Scott to the better health guy. You know, when I first put the website out there, I did not yet know that I had Lyme disease, which is kind of funny because it all kind of fell into place about two or three months after the website first went up. But Hmm. when I first put it out there, it was more of a, you know, someone who had been, um, you know, diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia and, uh, you know, suggested that MS may be a factor and, and, you know, various other labels that were kind of thrown out there. And so at the time, I put the website out really as a way to connect with people that maybe would, you know, have some answers and also that I could share information with as I was kind of learning, but I didn't even have the Lyme diagnosis yet. So um, it 
really was my attempt to both connect with people and to share what I was learning as I was researching. I mean, at that point, even though I didn't know it was Lyme, I had already uh, had uh, the, the illness essentially for about eight years. So there was a lot I had been learning in the chronic fatigue realm and fibromyalgia and all of those things. And I also wanted it to be something that sounded positive. I, uh, no offense to anyone, but I, I've never resonated with the whole, you know, limey kind of, um, label. I, I, I don't like to, uh, you know, carry the label of something that potentially kind of grounds you in the condition. So Better Health Guy really came out of, you know, that trying to approach it in a, in a positive way. Um, and, and, really just a way to connect with people and, and try to help figure out, you know, how to get through this whole concern and, and illness. Well, it's a, it's a great name. And I have to tell you that when I first started uh, my acupuncture practice, that I spent quite a bit of money on a, a marketing uh, firm. And what they came up for the name of my practice was uh, the Center for Better Health. So <laughs> I love I sh- it. I should have just I called you yeah, and saved great. myself a couple thousand bucks. <laughs> well, it's funny, and then one of the one of the uh, naturopaths and herbalists that I uh, just adore her formulas. She uh, has a company called uh, Beyond Balance, and yes. they've got some wonderful Susan McCamish wonderful formulas. But then her clinical practice side of things is called Better Health. And so when we first met years after I had my website already out there and I was like, my goodness. And people would even ask, like, are you guys related? Are uh, your businesses connected? And so, you know, it's just kind of another sign from the universe, like, ah, you're supposed to know this lady. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and we've been um, great friends for years. And, and I think, you know, her formulas are some of the best and also rooted in, you know, she had a, a son who was 10 years old in a wheelchair and no one could tell him what was right. going on. And once uh, once the whole Lyme thing came into right. the picture, she you know, started formulating herbs that, you know, ultimately he's, he's fully recovered. And so you take that passion and you, uh, you know, apply it to yourself and or your family and then have the gift of being able to apply it to the broader community of people that are really suffering and sometimes really wonderful things come from it. Yeah, it's an amazing story. Now, I'm always curious, how did you finally get diagnosed with Lyme? So I had been to about 45 different doctors wow. um, from 1990. Tick bite was 96, but no one put it together for a long time. Uh, health fell apart in 97. Did anything trigger that? You know, it... it I would say there probably was some emotional stress around that time. I would say that there were probably just some aspect of my body trying to compensate for a few months after the exposure before it just couldn't compensate anymore. Mm -hmm. I had um, within uh, maybe a year or two having, having moved from, uh, Texas, where I grew up, to California to start my career, to living out here by myself and being in a really high-stress kind of Silicon Valley startup, you know, all of those kinds of things, drinking too many free Diet Cokes a day and <laughs> you know, all, the, all the bad food that they would give to us. Um, so I think, you know, probably a number of things that kind of all contributed, though, you know, you look back at these things and you realize I could look all the way back to, you know, childhood and things that kind of set the stage for it. That, yeah. You know, you didn't realize that the scales were already kind of starting to tip. But, right. you know, to, to your question, so around uh, from 97 to 2000, I was really, really impaired. I mean, neurologically impaired, probably in bed 12 to 16 hours a day. I was 
couldn't wear shoes a lot of the time because I had these tremendous burning sensations that were just the worst pain that I had really ever experienced on any long-term kind of basis. And then things got a little bit better. Um, still didn't know it was Lyme, but from 2000, 2004, I had a few things that weren't quite right, but I thought, well, maybe, maybe I got through it. You know, we had uh, done a bunch of holistic work and worked on, you know, supporting uh, Epstein-Barr and supporting the body with parasites and all of those things. And then 2004, um, pretty much overnight again, everything came back. It started with the burning sensations and it was just as intense as it was the first time. And, I continued going from doctor to doctor, and finally I said, I'm really not getting anywhere. So I uh, looked up the ACAM website, and I said, I'm just going to start over. I need to find a new doctor, number 46. Right. And that doctor suggested that I go to a lady who at the time worked at an outlet mall um, next to a Starbucks and <laughs> uh, had a computer that made lots of humming pitches and whatnot for about two hours. And he had said, you know, have her check you for all the foods that are stressful to your system and then avoid the ones that come back stressful. And that's really the only explanation I could have for your health problems hmm. because nothing else really explains it. And so, well, so was she, that a Zytoscan? Uh, I'm curious. What was the machine? At that time, it was not. Zyto probably, this was 2005, so I'm not sure Zyto had entered the market yet. Okay. They were probably a couple years after that, but that was one... Uh, I believe that was one called IQS okay. that, uh, at the time, some bioset practitioners that kind of follow the teachings of Ellen Cutler um, use, and I think they can use a number of different devices, but I think that was the IQS. And so, you know, it's not a, it's not a diagnostic tool, but it's a tool that gives you insights and information. And right. so what she said to me was, you know, you should go back to your medical doctor and request that they run a test for Borrelia, Bartonella, Babesia, and Ehrlichia and see what comes back. And so, you know, here I'm walking out of the outlet mall and I thought, <laughs> this lady is completely nuts. There is no yes. way that she's even, you know, no way at all. And so she followed up with me and she said, you know, have you gotten the test run? She said, I really think this is an urgent matter and I'm, I'm really urging you to get the test run. Oh, okay, fine. So I went back to the doctor, got the test run and uh, they didn't all come back positive the first time around, but over the course of about nine months, we had positive tests for Ehrlichia, for Bartonella, for Berbicia. We had some um, indeterminate bands on the Western blot for Borrelia, but essentially everything that she had uh, suggested, right. we had some now blood indication for all of those things. And so it, she kind of then became my miracle worker. And really, if any one kind of point in your life that completely changes the rest of your life happened, um, that was certainly one of them, because then I became so interested in the energetic testing that I started then studying with Dr. Dietrich Klinghardt mm. and learning his system of testing. And then over the course now of, of 10 years, really use that as my kind of main tool to, to figure out, you know, which direction to go and what things did I really need to focus on and working with practitioners that were trained in that um, and kind of learning it myself and doing some self-testing and then also working with practitioners that, uh, that used it. And so for me, energetic testing, um, and I know you being an acupuncturist, obviously, or I, I'm expecting are very tuned into the energy body. Uh, you know, the, the energy body can give us lots of insights and information that we oftentimes kind of turn a, a blind eye to when we're only looking at things from a more physical perspective. And so, um, 
you know, my, my day job is as a software development director and very, you know, code kind of logically minded. And, uh, you know, a lot of this at the beginning for me was, was a little bit out there. And yet, as I opened my mind to it, it really became one of the biggest gifts, you know, throughout the journey that really provided me a lot of, of useful insight. Yeah. You know, as coding becomes more pattern-based and less writing every single line yourself, it's, I think the lines are blurring there because really, at least the, the, the way I was trained as an acupuncture, it's really pattern recognition. Um, and, and I mean, it's a bad term, but fuzzy logic. It's like how to, you know, if you, if you stare too hard, you lose it. You got to kind of squint your eyes and not focus <laughs> yeah. too strong. And then all of a sudden you can see the patterns. Yeah. And then, you know, once you go through something like Lyme, what what was once your passion kind of shifts right now my passion <laughs> is trying to figure out how to not only educate people and share resources and information but you know I, I do do some health coaching with a couple of medical doctors out here as well for some of their clients and you know that that work is uh, you know I don't get to do it as a full time focus but that work whether it's a, a day or day and a half or something a week is you know, where I get the majority of my kind of purposeful yeah. uh, time during the week. And, uh, you know, it's amazing the things that, that come out of that kind of uh, passion and purpose. Yeah. So. Well, I'm having just kind of started dipping into the Lyme community when I, when I started this podcast um, last year. I am uh, amazed, dumbfounded, overwhelmed, awed, by the level of self-education that goes along with Lyme disease. I've yeah, run into, I mean, I've been practicing acupuncture for 20 years, and there are no more educated patients than somebody who has tracked down their Lyme disease. It is, you know, to a person, just amazing. So I, as much as I can, it I try is, to be and quiet and listen. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's it's wonderful and sad at the same time, right? For me, you know, where I have a, a mind that likes kind of puzzle solving and trying to figure out how to support the body and all of that, it, it kind of fit well with something that I actually really do find interesting to try and figure out how to improve health. But, you know, not everybody wanted that for their life. Not every, you know, a lot of people are doing that kind of digging and research really just because they, they have to find a way out. Right. Um, and so kind of through that process of trying to find a way out, it also became something that I, you know, very much connected with in terms of a, you know, a, a passion and, and interest as well. But yeah, I mean, talk to people in the, the Lyme community and, you know, I would say uh, mothers of children with autism right, right up there too. Yep. In fact, probably even a, a little bit more. Yes. I have a number of people that I work with and it's uh it's amazing the information that these uh, these parents know. And I know there's a, a guy back in Virginia uh, who's a great practitioner as well, Michael Payne, yes. does uh, does Zyto. And he always uh, jokes, he says, that I, I know MDs, PharmDs, and MomDs. And he says, <laughs> and my, my experience has been to listen to the MomDs. <laughs> So it's, uh, it, it is pretty amazing. And, you know, both of those conditions, sadly, we, we kind of do it out of necessity because the conventional system has largely uh, had limited solutions to offer. Yeah, that's a kind way of putting it. It is. <laughs> so here's, here's a little uh, uh, an aside here, but I'm doing my own informal survey uh, st slash study. And do you have the MTHFR polymorphism? I do. Yeah. 
It's and uh, it's funny. I have it sitting right here on my screen somewhere, so I could probably. I, I think I was one of the compound heterozygous, if I remember correctly, um, where I had both the 677 and the 1298, I believe. Um, I would have to dig through and look it up here again. But uh, I, I don't think, at least my observation has been, that there probably aren't that many people that become largely symptomatic with uh, Lyme uh, or, or a lot of these neurological kinds of conditions that don't have either MTHFR um, uh, deficiencies or deficits or the HLA-DR issues that Richie Shoemaker talks about with mold and Lyme kind of predisposition to biotoxin illness or more likely a combination of both. Right. And I think that um, many people that are running around today with the same exact set of infections um, that might be out, you know, while some of us are sitting at home and, and not feeling great, they may be out, you know, not even knowing that they're sick and playing soccer or football or baseball or whatever. And my experience and observation has been that that probably really is tied into how well they detoxify. Mm. And once the, uh, the, the floodgates are not open and we have all of these incoming, uh, not only the toxins that are produced by the microbes themselves, but all of the environmental chemicals and toxins right. and metals and everything that we're exposed to, right. and we just kind of accumulate them. I think that the, uh, you know, when, when I first started this whole journey, I thought uh, infection was the number one thing and toxicity was number two and emotional trauma, conflict and baggage was number three. Hmm. And and by the end of it, I had exactly the opposite perspective. <laughs> that you had to really clear out the emotional trauma, conflict and baggage first. And why is that? And, I'm going to interrupt you. Why is that? Uh, well, number one, I think that if you if you did a poll, many or most people that are dealing with chronic Lyme were or are type A or A-plus personalities. <laughs> so I think that probably set the stage somewhat from an you know, adrenal perspective, immune system perspective, stress perspective, all of those things. Okay. But I also think that if you don't deeply believe, and I'm, I'm saying this because I didn't deeply believe and I had to work on this, but if you don't deeply believe that you deserve to be well mm. and that you're worthy of wellness, it's a really hard thing then for your body to shift back to that point of actually being able to become well again. If the messaging that you're constantly playing on your internal tape is, I really don't deserve to be well and I'm really not worthy of having good health, um, I, I think that's a big problem. Number two, yeah, number two is toxicity. Right. And so I think, you know, heavy metals, chemicals, pesticides, I think that that many practitioners are quite adept and quite good at looking at evaluating and, and doing some detoxification around heavy metals. But I don't really think that that many people are looking at how full of pesticides are we and how full of chemicals are we and, you know, implementing things to help detoxify um, beyond heavy metals. And so I think that's a huge piece. And then I think, yes, you, you, you have to do something to address the microbial burden as well. But I think once you've cleared out the emotional pieces and you've really done quite a bit of focus on the detoxification aspect of things, I, I think the microbial treatment can become less aggressive and a little more straightforward. And I would say that, you know, all three of these things, and this, this comes from Dr. Klinghardt's teaching and Klinghardt axiom, 
where he talks about, uh, you know, infections, toxins, and emotional traumas and conflicts, and that the level of each of these essentially will uh, attempt to maintain the same, the same level or consistency, meaning that we really need to address all three of these to make any kind of lasting progress. And if we focus our attention on just one, the minute we take our attention off of it, they kind of go back to the same level as the other two that we hadn't really paid enough attention to. So um, I think I think we really do have to work on all three at the same time. But it's interesting how over the years my perspective in terms of the priority really shifted uh, to be completely the opposite of what I thought in the first Older place. Older and wiser. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully wiser, not necessarily hopefully older, but yeah. Well, I started acupuncture school. I, they sent me away. It's such a Chinese story, but all my teachers were American, except for one Brit. Um, they sent me away. I applied the first year. They said, you go away. You're too young, essentially, um, politely, though. And then so I came back the second year, and they said, oh, you again. You're, st- you know, you're still too young, but if you stay an extra year, we'll let you matriculate. And I didn't quite get my financial aid lined up. So I came back the third year. At that point, I was married. They say, okay, you can come study. And that was essentially their point. As a, as a, as a young person, your priorities are different. They said, look, you're going to be talking to old ladies about their hemorrhoids. And you're, you know, you're just still wet behind the ears. So, so cool, cool your jets and come back. <laughs> That's funny. So, and I'd also, I just started up a local Lyme support group. So one of the, so it, it was very open-ended. I, a few people came and interestingly enough, two nurses came who knew each other, who both have Lyme disease and they both feel completely shunned by the local medical community. And you think that yeah. being inside the medical community, there would be some sort of camaraderie and, and sympathy for these poor women, but there's absolutely none. And right. uh, the, the local community there, the physicians, their heads are buried in the sand. You know, even though we're in New York State, there's no Lyme here. Even though you walk across the street to the vets and they're treating Lyme left and right day in and day out. It's, it's, it's the, you know, the, the Oneida County health department says there's no Lyme here. So therefore there's no Lyme here. So our, our question was like, how do we begin to bring, it sounds like you've done some thinking about this. How do you begin to bring to awareness an invisible disease? You know, I think that's where I appreciate very much those people who have the passion for the advocacy side of things. I mean, I think my my real interest is, is sharing information more on the, you know, treatment perspective and, and how to recover the physical health, essentially. But I look at people like, um, you know, LymeDisease.org and um, Lorraine Johnson and a lot of the work that she's done and, you know, not only authoring uh, publications and such about Lyme, but, you know, really going and, and uh, presenting and advocating for us at various, you know, congressional meetings and government meetings and things like that. So I think that um, staying connected as much as possible with those organizations, I know LymeDisease.org does some good work around, you know, taking polls of various uh, data points of people within the Lyme community, and then by participating in those things, that that provides them a lot of the data that they're then using to try and, and make some differences and, and get more awareness out there. I, I actually think that, you know, when I first 
started getting sick, uh, bit in 96 and, and really badly ill in 97, um, the challenge was there was not, you know, not enough information at mm-hmm. all. Uh, now the, the challenge really is there, there is a lot of information and trying to sift through it and find the information that's really high quality and really useful. Right has become a little bit more of the challenge. I mean, at the very beginning of this journey, we, we didn't even have Google yet, and I'm not sure how I survived in a world without It's Google. hard to remember, isn't it? <laughs> remember um, the phone book? <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, that they, well, they still drop those off on the door, and I always kind of laugh. I'm like, why do you still put those here? Like, who uses that well, People are still buying some um, advertising. Somebody is, anyway. Yeah. So I think, you know, there, there's certainly a lot of awareness uh, that's starting to come to it. There's certainly uh, more celebrities in the last couple of years mm-hmm. between, uh, you know, Debbie Gibson, yep. Avril Lavigne, Yolanda Foster. Um, they're at least prompting a dialogue, I think. I don't know that you uh, will easily change closed-minded people's opinions. And so sometimes I think we just have to share our stories and and let those people that are drawn to it kind of grasp onto it and then also be you know going out in the world and sharing their stories and their experience right. as well um, but I, I think for the most part Lyme is getting more awareness and more publicity I think part of the challenge has become that we've almost become too focused online right and many people are not looking at all of the other right. pieces. And so we almost need a new name because people will for years treat Borrelia and wonder why they're, why they're not getting better, and yet they won't go and run a mycometrics ERMI to find out that they're living in a black mold contaminated yeah. home that maybe isn't helping their recovery. <laughs> and that was my story. Oh. You know, I, I got really great, let's go, lime, 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 and... 2005, fortunately, around that same time, and I was really trying to learn, uh, Stephen Buhner's first book, Healing Lyme, came out, and that was a fantastic resource for me. And around that same time, 2006 maybe, uh, Richie Shoemaker came out with his uh, Mold Warriors Mm -hmm. book. And I read that, and I started asking questions, asking my doctors, well, what about this? You know, let's look at this. Let's look at these HLA and C4A and, you know, all these other markers that at the time he was looking at. And sure enough, the place I had been living in for 10 years was was completely full of mold. And so, you know, getting out of that was important. Or people, maybe they, you know, it's funny, all these things that I say now, you know, parasite Mm -hmm. issue. I mean, yes, I had lots of parasites to Mm -hmm. deal with. And and I always thought that uh, I would be lucky and get by without any significant dental issues because my dentist for years, multiple in fact, had always said that I had the best dental health, the best teeth, you know, everything was wonderful. Turned out I had two full-blown uh, osteomyelitis type uh, cavitations uh, that, I, that I needed to go. And this was only uh, October 2013. So, I mean, I was pretty far along in my recovery. I mean, I would have said I was already feeling 90, 95% right. recovered. And yet I found a good doctor, happened to be at a conference in St. Louis that Simon Yu was putting on. And I thought, well, I'm here. I might as well get an appointment with him and see what he says. What, what else can we come up with? And he said, I think you have a dental problem within like the first 10 minutes. And I was like, oh, man, this is what I read about, this horrible dental problem. And so 
uh, I, I then worked with a surgeon that uh, he had suggested, and even the surgeon initially said, you know, I don't see any right. any real significant issues right. here, but you know, I I really trust uh, you know his his uh, experience and, and counsel, and we can really look into this. And sure enough, you know, it was all all confirmed, and I think that was another you know, another piece of the process. And who, who knows, there's probably still some puzzle pieces that I will, you know, continue to uncover. I mean, I think once you, once you start down this path of, of getting your health back, um, you don't go back to the way you treated yourself before and expect to still hold on to the gains that you've made. So, you know, your, your diet, I think, continues to be better or has to be better. Your levels of stress have to either be reduced or you have to find better coping mechanisms. Um, there's just so many things that you learn along the way that, uh, you know, you continue to offer yourself the gift of better self-care. And, uh, you know, I think it's critical that, that we continue to do that. I don't know, maybe you do, but I actually don't know too many people that got to a place that they felt largely symptom-free that then said, okay, I'm done with this. I'm going back to drinking Diet Coke. <laughs> I'm eating gluten pizza. I'm going to have some ice cream. You know, I, I think for the most part, you still, and I do know a couple, but I think for the most part, you know, once you go through the journey, you kind of learn you need to continue. I mean, the things that predisposed us to this, if we talk about, you know, what you were mentioning with some of the detoxification-related issues and MTHFR and those kinds of things, I mean, those don't really go right. away, right? We still have to continue to support them or bypass them or take the right nutrients to optimize them or, or whatever the, the picture may be. Yeah. So. Well said, my friend. Well said. <laughs> And Scott, you've been incredibly generous with your time. I want to thank you very, very much and also wrap up by giving you the opportunity if people are interested in contacting you as a health coach or your website or whatever else you have out sure. there. Now, now's your chance okay. to let us know. Yes, I mentioned uh, two things. One, I am uh, on the board of a foundation that I treasure called Limelight Foundation, mm -hmm. and their website is limelightfoundation.org. And the purpose of that organization is to provide treatment grants to children and young adults, 25 and under, uh, to allow them access to treatment. And a lot of the people that we're working with, I mean, in fact, all of the people that we're working with are, are not able to access the kind of care that they need because they're already in a bad financial place as a result of, you know, their illnesses or the people in their family that have, you know, struggled with illness. And so um, it's a great organization if people are in need of a treatment grant or if people are connected to someone that that resonates with that would want to support such an organization. Uh, limelightfoundation.org is the place to go and, and learn about that. And then my uh, blog, where I've shared all of my information and conference notes and things like that over the years, is betterhealthguy.com. That's betterhealthguy.com. Terrific. I really appreciate it. Oh, it was great. Great talking to you, actually. And we'll, well. get all the... It'll be fun to It'll be fun to hear it with the little lime ninja radio <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> you know, I have a sense of humor sometimes, and I try to get that across. And sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. I hope people are amused by that. 
I think, you know, if you don't have uh, some sense of humor throughout this whole Lyme journey, uh, I think it's a huge, huge help, you know, to have a sense of humor and to find as much joy in your life. And I, I obviously I found it humorous because it stuck in my <laughs> mind. <laughs> Lyme didn't show radio. Yeah. Yeah, that, was, <laughs> so. that was supposed to be a takeoff on uh, The Shadow. No, 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 not The Shadow. Oh, what am I thinking about? The um, uh, The Calling All Cars. Uh, yeah, uh, drag, yeah. not Dragnet, but there's a, a radio show from way back when, and it was anyway. Cool. It was when it was a big deal. Yeah. California had radio to tr to talk to their their patrol cars, and it was so cool that they put it on the radio. And I'm blanking, yeah, and I, I'm having my little bit of line brain right here. But anyway, <laughs> no, that was great. I definitely enjoyed talking with you, and uh, hopefully, people will get some some useful information out of it. Oh, as well. I'm sure they will. You're a fount. Ten of information, and I will. You know, and I'm I'm always. I, it's funny. I I appreciate when people say that, but like I said, I mean, I'm constantly learning. And what's what's interesting and sometimes frustrating is the more that I learn about mm -hmm. all of this, the more I realize that there's so much more yeah. to learn. Right? I mean, you just get so far. And I'm actually right now. I'm uh, enjoying a couple of books. There's a, a new book uh, that um, I think Doctor. Um, well, first, Suzanne Summers' book is fantastic, the, the new Toxic, which I thought was just uh, fantastic, the way she named it, T-O-X-S-I-C-K, <laughs> which was, was very cute. And then there's a new, uh, a new book that came out by, I think it's Dr. Amy Myers, uh, that's on autoimmunity. Mm. Uh, I think it's called The Autoimmune Solution. And so, you know, those are great books. I'm, in fact, even the Suzanne Summers one, I'm reading it now, and she talks about the genetic pieces, the, the Richie Shoemaker, HLADR, the mold issues, the Lyme issues, the detox recommendations for how to detox all those things. And I'm like, wow, this is like what I needed 20 years right. ago. But it's, it's remarkable to me that somebody like Suzanne Summers that you wouldn't necessarily think would put the fantastic chronic illness solution kind of book together. And it's, it's, Amazing. I'm, I'm really excited with it so far. And, and I sit in my far infrared sauna and read these books. <laughs> <laughs> we, we just got one from my office, and it's a fabulous thing. My daughters come there all the time and hang out. Yeah, it's it great. Is great. It's a great way to detox, for it sure. Is. All right, McKay. Well, thank you so, so much. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. You know, he makes a really good point about how Lyme disease isn't just about uh, the Borrelia bacteria. So what do you mean? Well, he was talking a little bit about how so many different factors go into Lyme disease with the MTHFR gene variation, with the mold toxicity, and then with all oh, the right, right, right. with all the co-infections as well. Yep. I mean, it almost seems that if we just had to deal with the Borrelia bacteria, as tricky of a sucker as that is, it would be a little bit simpler to deal with. Yes, it never travels alone. It's always it's like a biker gang of bad news. <laughs> it pretty much is. Like gang of bacteria. Yeah, it really yeah. is. And it I don't know if it's a chicken and egg thing, if the Borrelia just makes us more susceptible to those sort of things, or if those things kind of were below the radar and kept in check by our immune system, and then the damage by the Borrelia makes all that come to the surface. I don't, I don't know if we'll ever know that for sure, but almost anybody you talk to with chronic Lyme has a whole laundry list of ills. 
Yep. And Scott does a good job explaining all that, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he does. All righty. So hang in there. If you've got Lyme disease, we know you probably are dealing with other things as well. So if things are taking a little bit longer than you thought they would, hang in there. And maybe you want to get tested for some of these other co-infections and co-problems. Co-problems. Yes, I'm not sure. Well, I guess mold is an infection too. So co-infections. Yeah. All right. That wraps it up for this episode. Uh, Please go on over to our website, which is... LimeNinjaRadio.com. We offer a free report there about uh, our Lime Ninja Brain Fog Protocol, six proven strategies for reducing brain fog. And we will be getting more information there. We had a little comment the other day about, is this all there is on your report? And unfortunately, right now, that is all there is. We will be getting together and expanding on the six protocols, and we'll get that out to everybody on the mailing list as that comes available. That's probably going to be over the next two or three months. So don't hold your breath. You'll turn pretty blue. (laughs) And that's Aurora's job, right, Aurora? Yes, it is. Okay. (laughs) Put her... $200,000 education to use, right? There we go. All right. I knew that certificate was good for something. It better be. (laughs) Okie doke. So going over to our website and take a look at that. You just give your email address and we will go ahead and send that right out to you. It all happens automatically on the web. And if you haven't already hit the like button, you can do that on that page or head on over to our Facebook page. Leave a comment. I probably will respond if you do. Okie doke. And to wrap things up. The Lime Ninja Fact of the Day. Hey, that's my line. The Lime Ninja Fact of the Day. Aurora, what is the (laughs) Lime Ninja Fact of the Day? Did you know that a ninja once received a Hollywood star for a Jackie Chan movie? The ninja made his handprints after the cement was dry. Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique, and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.